1: Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.
2: Happy Mother's Day, Coach Paula. Thanks. Have you had a good day?
1: (laughs) Pretty good, yeah.
2: So we had talked with our children earlier in the week and came up with a, a plan for Mother's Day, which involved me cooking lunch. How was lunch? It was really good. So we had steaks and mashed potatoes, sliced tomatoes, green beans, and sugar cookies, gluten-free, with vanilla icing.
1: You did. This morning, we went and got my mom, who has Alzheimer's. We went and got her in her memory care unit. And I'm not sure if we shared this on the podcast or not, but it's on my mind today. So I'm just going to put it out there. My mom is not able to communicate i mean she can speak she's just not able to communicate anything that has happened so she has
2: a hard time taking a thought and translating it into words
1: right and at this point we really don't even know what thought process is like but she would not be able to say hey mom did you brush your teeth today and answer that correctly She would just say she did, whether she did or didn't. Like, that's just where it is. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. My sister and I kind of made the decision that we were going to keep the same camera that we had for safety reasons while she was still in her home. We were going to keep that in her room in the memory care unit and they have a sign outside the door that lets staff know that there's surveillance in the room which to me is a little bit silly because there's also surveillance cameras all over the hallways in the main area so anyway for whatever reason they have that but on sunday mornings particular because we always go and get my mom and take her to church i view the camera to see how the morning has gone to see how early you and I need to arrive to finish getting her ready for church because some mornings are better than others and they were able to get mom completely ready for church. Well, this morning was not one of those mornings because my mom was a little bit confused and she wanted to put her church clothes on over top of her pajamas. And, you know, I can kind of see this transpiring but
2: On the video camera.
1: On the video camera, yeah. But what was surprising is when I got there, the staff member who had helped mom this morning comes up to me and said, oh, you may notice you can see your mom's pajama top. And then she started making up this big story of my mom pushing her. And, and in my head, I'm thinking, this girl does know we have a camera like why is she making up this story on my mom so anyway that's been weighing heavily on my mind today that the staff member would not be honest about she just wasn't i mean just say hey your mom stuck her shirt on over top of her pajama top and i didn't correct it like just say that like but why make up some big story and for the safety of your mom, I just didn't try anymore so that neither one of us would get hurt. I'm like, I mean there was absolutely there was absolutely no conflict whatsoever. so it was just interesting.
2: And by watching the camera, it's obvious that some of the staff try really hard to get her to do what needs to be done. so yeah I don't I don't know why someone would feel the need to make up a story.
1: Yeah. So anyway I didn't obviously I did not call her out on I was just sitting there thinking to myself Self? She doesn't know there's a camera in that room. Like there's a sign on the wall. Anyway, so for whatever reason she just felt the need to tell a little story. So that's been on my mind
2: heavily today. That reminds me of a video you shared with me from your mom's room where The staff member was doing a good job getting her ready for bed. And unbeknownst to your mom (laughs) and the other staff member, there was already somebody in her bed.
1: It's kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Somebody's sleeping in my bed and they're still there.
2: And the staff member was quite surprised after being in the room for several minutes in the bathroom and up against the dresser to observe that someone was in the bed.
1: Yeah, so before my mom and the staff member had come in, this other resident had wandered into my mom's room and had gotten in bed and was sound asleep. So, yeah, I mean, it's always... I, I just... I mean, I know God has a perfect plan and a reason for everything, but this disease is just... It's really hard to watch because mom does things, and as the other residents, I'm sure, but I don't know their background, does things and says things that, I mean, she would just be appalled if she were in her right mind and and knew of these things but you know she's not in any discomfort she's generally in a very good mood she came over here with us after church and it's a beautiful day outside so she wandered around outside with us a little bit and very content she's a
2: She likes her junk food.
1: She loved the little blizzard we got her today from the Dairy Queen. And then, I think you were trying to get chocolate out to give her too. i I'm like, oh, no, 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 let's not overdo it. I think you're just trying to get rid of the junk food that's currently in our house. How did
2: that variety of tiny candy bars end up in our house?
1: Well, we had a surprise birthday party for Jacob, and we provided snacks and The guests left before the snacks were all consumed, so we have a lot of snacks in our pantry that are not ordinarily consumed at the Roberts household.
2: And I have had a hard time staying away from those in the evening. Like last night, after we watched roughly eight hours of coverage of the Ironman World Championship, I decided I needed a snack.
1: I think it was comfort food after losing Bo,
2: Oh, here we go.
1: Yeah, I have a lot to say about Bo.
2: All I have to say is we're tied.
1: All I have to say is, was I six or seven games ahead?
2: I'm not sure how much ahead you were, but you were ahead for a long time.
1: Yeah, and then... It's nice
2: to be cl- tied again.
1: You were ahead last night. And so, for whatever reason, we decided to play one more game last night.
2: That was your idea.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wanted to let you play a game that you win at a lot, especially after that beatdown in Quiddler. Mm. <laughs> That's mm. a whole other story, though. Anyway, once again, you were getting all the skip bows, but somehow, while you were all the way down to one card, somehow I managed to pull out the win. So it is now tied. Pull out bowl.
2: the win while I was busy shuffling cards.
1: Would you question my integrity?
2: <laughs> no.
1: I mean, Really?
2: but I wasn't paying attention. And next thing I know, you are victorious.
1: Yeah, it was all legit, buddy. I believe you. Honesty is the best policy. I mean, I certainly don't want a tally mark unless I earn it. That's for sure.
2: So we started keeping tally marks on March the 10th of 2021. It's been over a year since we've been keeping track of our skip bow duel and we are currently tied at 81 games apiece.
1: piece sure. that means we're averaging three four games a week
2: something like that but does that mean that we are equally proficient at skip bow or does it mean it's as random as flipping a coin
1: i'm gonna go with b flipping a coin mm-hmm. because face it if you get all the skip in your stack You got a pretty good chance of winning.
2: But I think if we were playing somebody who would never played it before, we would have an advantage.
1: Well, it's like playing tic-tac-toe. You can beat somebody a few times until they figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to result in a tie.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
2: So you scaled back on your training after Boston, but the recovery period is behind you and you started ramping things up this week how did your week of training go
1: yeah i took two weeks of just doing my streak run after boston so my minimum for streak run is two miles per day and i just stole that from our friend lee that's his minimum and so after a week of two miles per day I then started doing three miles, so I did that for two weeks, and then, I don't know, in the in the back of my mind, I'm kind of thinking I want to go through the training cycle with Suzanne and Lee, mostly with Suzanne, because Lee runs at odd times that Suzanne doesn't run, so mostly with Suzanne, but they're training for the Jack and Jill Marathon, which is at the end of July, so I'm thinking, well, I won't necessarily do all of her intensity, but I'll ramp up and do her training with her and if it goes well who knows I may fly out there and just enjoy that beautiful course like nothing set in stone so I ramped up my workout this week and as it turned out Suzanne had a whole lot going on so she really didn't ramp up her work and felt like my workout went now granted remember too you did the podcast by yourself last week because welcome back weather. So, not only was I ramping up this first week of training, because we're 12 weeks out from this race, her race, his race, Lee and Suzanne's race, and I thought, well, I'm not feeling very well, so I'm at least going to go over to the hill, this was on Tuesday, I was at least going to go over to the hill where the workout typically occurs, and if I don't feel well, I'll get my minimum two miles in for my streak run and call it a day. Lean on me once I get over there.
2: <laughs> One tough cookie.
1: <laughs> I'm going to do the work. So worked really hard on Tuesday, and I was actually shocked that I hit my pace goals because I have all this bronchial mess going on. And so I did that on Tuesday. And uh, Wednesday, I did an easy run. And then Thursday, I just had pretty much an easy run with, I can't remember now, three or four miles at tempo. And I thought, well, again, I'll do my two miles, and if I'm not coughing and I feel well, I'll try to hit a little tempo just by feel, not trying to hit the pace. And, of course, you know, the first couple miles into the tempo, I was not hitting the pace. and But I wasn't coughing either. Like, I was breathing well, and I felt okay. It just was a little sluggish. And, of course, I'm like, okay, I have a mile to go, and here's the average pace I need. So I probably worked a little bit too hard that last mile, especially, you know, with all the crud going on so then friday i did easy three miles yesterday was actually a progression run had six miles easy three miles go marathon pace and one mile easy and just a couple miles into that i decided i had done too much this week so i did the six miles easy and called it a day so
2: good call you gotta listen to your body
1: yeah and so and, and as we do with all our athletes because i didn't do what was kind of planned for this week then you and i need to go in and look at next week and decide because we can't do next week based on what this week was supposed to be it has to be based on what actually transpired this week so You know, that's kind of the inner workings of customized coaching, and um, we follow that ourselves. We're big believers that pulling a plan off the internet and doing the run just because that's what's on that day is not the best for long-term success. Is that what you asked me, by the way?
2: I asked you how your week of training went.
1: Fantastic.
2: (laughs) I'm glad that you are less sick than you were before.
1: I am less sick. Kind of felt bad. I'm not physically but Monday morning this all came on Saturday night I had kept Ellie we had kept Ellie Friday night she spent the night and then we kept her I don't know until about two o'clock Saturday and then after that we had all the things so weed eating mowing power washing uh resurfacing uh, the protective coating on the concrete we power wash so and we we worked straight through Saturday from 6 a.m to it was dark when we went in. It was after 8 o'clock. And I can remember when we were finishing up, the surf, the resurfacing. At the end, I was going, I just feel like I just run a marathon. Like, I mean, I was out of steam. I'm like, what is going on here? And then when we went to bed later that night, you took my temperature and it was about... like 102 it was over 100 yeah yeah so and then on monday or on sunday my temperature was 103 and then
2: so me and your mom went to church together and bethany met us there that was interesting
1: yeah so it was what you see is what you get because you are not going to go to cedarhurst early and get mom ready if the staff had not done a good job so hopefully they had done a decent job for you my Sunday. Hopefully she didn't have her pajamas on under her clothes.
2: <laughs> I didn't look that closely at her clothes. She seemed to be doing just fine.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate you doing that too. So anyway, you suggested that we do this online telehealth thing, which we had done that one, one other time at your suggestion, and the guy basically said you need to go see somebody. But I really like this lady because I said, well, I usually get this bronchial infection about once a year and unless i get ahead of it i'm gonna cough for two months and so she kind of asked well what do they usually prescribe you and so basically i just kind of told her what i needed it worked out awesome
2: and she agreed that that was a proper course of treatment for the symptoms you were giving her
1: yeah and it wasn't like i was asking for heavy narcotics or anything that she would have a red flag like hmm raise an eyebrow at this chick but no just did a little steroid pack and an antibiotic
2: and cough medicine
1: and an allergy deal what was that allegra something i don't know
2: yeah over the counter allegra something Mm -hmm. over the
0: counter
1: so yeah it's when in doubt just attack it all (laughs) that's kind of the approach
2: with proper medical counseling
1: yeah, definitely. It was all legit. Yeah. so
2: And you're feeling better. That's good.
1: I'm feeling better.
2: As far as my week of training goes, I have stepped up my training, which is not saying a lot. I was avoiding prolonged walking the previous week. This past week, I've been doing 30 minutes of walking per day, along with my swimming and cycling and strength training, and all the physical therapy. And I will be trying my first test run in a while, in a few days.
1: Do you know what day that is?
2: It'll be either tomorrow or Tuesday. I haven't
1: decided. Oh, so this isn't something that the physical therapist said, try your run on this day?
2: The orthopedic said take two weeks off. Okay. Which I saw him two weeks ago tomorrow.
1: Well, there you go.
2: Trying to be obedient and not get ahead of myself.
1: Patient. So we mentioned earlier that we played skip bow at some point during our eight-hour Ironman World Championship viewing fest yesterday. Do you have any highlights from that you'd like to discuss? Yeah,
2: I thought it was a really good event. The weather turned out to be really nice. The course is beautiful, yet very challenging I'd like to go out there someday maybe for the 70.3 but um very exciting near the end i took a few notes early in the coverage and i'll just walk through some of my notes so the the swim start it started just barely on land and so the athletes had a short run into the 62 degree temperature water in their wetsuit and wetsuits were mandatory it was interesting that in the video coverage and what the commentators were saying was that some athletes seemed to have been startled by the water temperature because you could see some pro heads bobbing in the water and then others were you know face down, rapidly stroking.
1: So were they not able to get into the water and warm up?
2: I presume they were able to warm up, but they started on uh, on carpet outside the water Uh, the water seemed like it was pretty choppy and unlike in kona the water in uh, saint george was fresh water so a little bit easier to tolerate if you get some in your mouth but it was a a course with a, a lot of long straight stretches and just based on the choppiness i was surprised how quickly both the men and the women were able to get around the course
1: I'm assuming, because I didn't see the swim portion of this coverage, I was out doing my workout at the time that you were watching that, but I'm assuming that the water wasn't clear, like you just got the overhead view, like typical.
2: Right. Yeah, there was no underwater coverage like there would have been in Hawaii.
1: Yeah, because that is definitely something unique and special about watching the swim in Kona as you get that underwater footage as well. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. The pro athletes got split up on the swim, both on the men's side and on the women's side. And the bike course was really challenging. There was about 7,000 feet of gain on the bike course. And if you'll remember back when you and I each did Louisville, there was about 5,000 feet of gain. So that's a pretty significant increase in the amount of elevation. But just a really... Really tough bike course, but it, it looked really smooth, like there was fresh asphalt on the majority of the course. But there was a lot of movement on the bike, on the, on the men's side. There was a group of five that were going back and forth, working together with a 12-meter gap between riders, and they had to pass in 25 seconds if they got within that 12-meter zone. But there was good collaboration good cooperation on the men's side up front, making it difficult for the chasers, which included Christian Blumenfeld, Lionel Sanders, Camworth, Sam Long, and a whole list of others to make up ground. And then on the women's side, Daniela Reef was noticeably the fastest on the bike as she moved up many places on the bike to take an early lead and extend all the way out to something like a 10 to ten to 12, 14-minute lead over the second place. I don't remember. Do you remember how big her lead was coming off the bike?
1: It was pretty substantial.
2: Yeah. Something about T1 that I thought was interesting was that several people had difficulties getting their wetsuits off. And you would think being experienced triathletes that that would not be something. But a lot of the races the professionals are doing are not wetsuit legal. So maybe they don't practice as much with their wetsuit as one would think. But difficulties in transition can add 30 seconds, a minute or more, depending on what kind of troubles you have. And then on the run, there was... About 1,500 feet of gain on the run, and again, there was a lot of movement on the guy's side. Christian Blumenfeld worked his way up through the pack to take a commanding lead, and won by two or three minutes, and then Lionel Sanders came from pretty far back on the bike. At the beginning of the bike, and worked his way up, not too far away from the leaders coming into T2, but... He had a really good run, and in the last half mile, moved from third place into second place. And then Brandon Curry, who was part of the lead group on the bike, led the run for close to 20 miles before Blumenfeld passed him. But just kind of reminds you of the breakaway in pro cycling, where somebody's out in the lead for a really long time, and then... At the end, they always get past.
1: I think what was different, though, is he still podiumed, whereas the breakaway, usually those guys, once they're overtaken, they fall way back.
2: Yeah, it's all over. So anyway, it was great that the Ironman World Championship happened again. It was unique to be in the spring, to be in Utah instead of Hawaii, but it was fun to watch. I hope you enjoyed watching it, and thank you for spending time with me yesterday.
1: I enjoyed that you watched it. <laughs> But I would much rather be doing than watching, but it was fun. All right. So you and Jacob had a little friendly competition going on, and he actually picked the winner accurately, and you picked second place accurately. Neither of you picked the top three slots accurately.
2: No, no. There was so many people who could have come out on top, and you just never know what kind of day somebody's going to have. Take, for example, Gustav Eden and Alistair Brownlee both decided just before the race not to start because of illnesses. So you just don't know what you're going to get on race day, even if you do make it to the starting line.
1: Yeah, and I don't know that anyone who knows a lot about the sport expected Christian Blumenfeld to win.
2: There were a lot of people who... Thought that he may win because he had an incredible, incredible performance at his one and only Ironman, full distance Ironman at Cozumel. Winning that in a time of, I believe it was 7:17, crushed it. And he's also the Olympic gold medalist from Tokyo. So he's got strength at the short course. He demonstrated he could do the long course, but he's had some off races as well. So that's why I didn't pick him to win. He was unpredictable.
1: Speaking of unpredictable, we live in Kentucky, and the Kentucky Derby was yesterday. Yes, it was. And the horse with the worst odds, is that how you would say that? I don't bet, so I don't know much about horse racing odds, but the horse had odds of 80 to 1 and 1.
2: So if you happened to bet on that horse, you probably did okay, but... How often is that going to happen? Oh. I did watch the 2 minutes and 38 second coverage of the race today because we didn't watch it yesterday.
1: We are too busy watching Iron Man World Championships.
2: And attending Grace Marriage. (laughs) That's a different story. But it was quite the surprise when this horse, which I can't remember the name right now, uh, pulled ahead on the inside with just a couple of steps to go. There was just a couple other random news nuggets I wanted to talk about before we jump into your topic.
1: You really have uh, latched onto this new phrase, haven't you? I have. Okay.
2: Are you, are you good with it? Oh, I'm good with it. All right, so one of our athletes had a great race yesterday at the Indianapolis 500 Festival Half Marathon. Shout out to our athlete, Brent, who ran a... 142 half, which was about a three minute PR from what he did at Ashland City earlier in the year. So great job. And while I was looking at the results of the 500 Festival half, I learned that the USATF Half Marathon Championship was actually in conjunction with the 500 Festival half. And on the ladies' side, Emily. Sisson, if I said her name right, set a new American record, 1 hour, 7 minutes, and 11 seconds, which bested Sarah Hall's American record that she set earlier this year by 4 seconds. And I don't know that I knew that Sarah had the record, but I believe her husband Ryan still has the American record on the men's side, 59-43 from Houston in 2007. And then on the guy's side, it wasn't a course record or an American record or anything. But uh, Leonard Courier ran a time of one oh two thirty five, pretty fast. And that's a pretty cool race, making a lap around the Indianapolis 500 Speedway. And then in Singapore the Super League Triathlon Arena Games had their eSports World Triathlon Championships, and silver medalist at Tokyo, Alex Lee, came out on top and is the first eSport World Triathlon Champion, and Beth Potter won on the women's side. It's such a huge contrast between the arena games and the Super League and a full-distance Ironman. One takes all day, and... One is over very quickly. And then while we're on the topic of triathlons, the Ironman 70.3 Gulf Coast was yesterday as well, and they canceled the swim. How would you feel if you were prepared for a 70.3 or a full distance triathlon and the swim was canceled?
1: <laughs> well, I have mixed feelings about that because when I train for Ironman Louisville, Obviously, was the swim. The swim was the piece that I really had to work on and build the most confidence with. So I think a piece of me would have been relieved to not have to do the swim. But overall, I would be extremely disappointed that I had gone through all that training and built all that fitness. And really, in my head, wouldn't have been an Ironman if I couldn't have completed all three disciplines. So I think in a full distance, I would have been pretty disheartened by that news. In a half, I don't know. It, it doesn't take nearly the time and training to prepare for a half, and I think you could find another half quickly, but whew, it would have been a mental challenge for the full, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. So I was reading about why the swim was canceled, and a very vague explanation was that, that the water conditions were Required a double red flag. Have you ever noticed the flags near the lifeguard stands on the beach? So I did a little research. Double red flag means that it's very dangerous. It could be high surf, strong rip currents, or sharks, or other serious threats. And some of the other flags I thought were interesting. The purple and blue flags. Purple flag or blue flag means that there is other marine life in the water that could be dangerous other than sharks, such as stingrays or jellyfish or other things. So next time we go to the beach, we need to pay attention to those signs. Well, my
1: my sister and her husband happened to be on the Gulf Coast this past week, and I was talking to her on the phone Friday night, and she said that people were not even allowed to go onto the beach. The weather was so poor. Like, wow i said you mean they couldn't go in the water she said no they weren't letting people on the beach so i guess the weather was really bad
2: i'm just pondering how bad would it have to be that they're concerned that the ocean is going to reach up onto the sand and grab you and pull you in how bad is that all right enough random news nuggets
1: yeah so as we were talking about doing a podcast today and If I get to pick the topic, guess what it's going to be about?
2: I'm thinking really hard. And when I'm asked a question that pertains to you, I put a lot of thought into it. And sometimes time runs out and I don't really get all my answers written down. I'm thinking back to Grace Marriage right now. but (laughs) What topic would you choose for a podcast? Hmm. Hmm.
1: This explains why. I had all the answers filled out. Let me just say, in our grace marriage, our first task was to list all the positive qualities about our spouse. And there were, there was an outline of two pages worth of stuff for us to fill in. I had my stuff filled in on my man quickly and was ready. And when it was his turn, his page was blank.
2: It was not blank. <laughs> The first few questions I had filled out completely, (laughs) but I ran out of time before I got to the latter questions. All right, back to your question. What topic would you pick? Hmm, Hmm. It would either be running or nutrition.
0: Nutrition.
2: Well, lucky guess.
1: As it supports endurance training. All right. Whether it be triathlon or running. And I know we've done a couple of podcasts on this, but it's been a little while, and I think what had it on my mind is I was already thinking about one of our athletes who's kind of got all the pieces together but we haven't really talked with her yet much about nutrition and I was just kind of thinking about how to approach that because she is one of our younger athletes and the last thing we ever want to do is to create any kind of food stress or food disordering in any athlete especially not a younger athlete and so I hadn't approach the subject with her at all and i was really thinking about talking with her dad a little bit about it and he actually texted us saying hey this summer we're going to try to do better about eating quality food and then he just sent a picture of a plate full of junk food so just kind of like yep this is our next thing so anyway this podcast is not directed her it's just in general i like to swing back around and talk about nutrition because as as a woman and an athlete and and you know middle-aged and an athlete and everything shifts and everything changes about nutrition as you get a little bit older nutrition is always just in the forefront of my mind and i always want to balance it and think about it and frame it in the right way so that it's a healthy approach to nutrition. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah so I mean they're just again there are so many theories out there about diet and about nutrition and just about anybody can go through a program and claim to be an expert on diet and nutrition and honestly there are very few people out there who are an expert in running nutrition. Even if you go to a medical doctor who's not an athlete and they're not trained in nutrition, they may give advice that's not the best to support running. And the purpose of this podcast is not to give advice to any of our listeners on what's best for you as far as your nutrition and your sport because it is all so personal. But I just kind of wanted to hover over this topic again, if that's all right with you. Let's do it. So, And I guess the big thing is we get a lot of runners who are – triathletes for that matter who are just misinformed in their mind have it a little bit confused in their mind on okay i'm gonna be an endurance athlete now so i've got to have a six pack abs of steel or this is the magic number that i've got to reach on the scale or hey sarah hall looks like this so if i'm going to be a good runner i need to look like that as well, and so all these things, while in theory, they may sound good, it's just all misinformation and I guess what got me thinking about it is while we were watching Iron Man yesterday, I was really watching Christian Blumenfeldt as I was watching him run. I mean he was just a beast, and he was his legs were turning over, and I was just thinking there's just something about him that doesn't look like a runner. And as I got to paying a little bit better attention, like his body type isn't what you would consider a typical runner. I'd say he has just a little bit of a gut on him. And I'd say if he raised up his tri-kit and exposed his stomach, maybe it's not abs of steel and maybe it's not a six-pack. But he proved yesterday that he's in the shape of his life in better shape than the field. And he flat out won that thing yesterday. Now, Daniela Reef, she probably has a little bit more of the look and body type that you would consider for an elite athlete. She is very thin and, you know, what you would picture. But as you look at the field, and especially as you looked at age group athletes, which they didn't cover, I still think the the footage would be a whole lot more interesting if they would toggle back and forth and let us see how some age groupers are doing but mm-hmm. they focus on the professionals or whatever but you know if you've never gone to an ironman competition or you've never watched like spectated the boston marathon or some of the other events that would be considered elite events in the field then take the time to do that because you will see that there are so many different body types that are just, I mean, they're just out there crushing it and they're killing it. And so if you have in your mind, okay, if I'm going to run well, here's what I have to weigh, here's what I have to look like, and maybe you, you drop that weight and you get a PR for the event that's coming up, well, maybe it still wasn't the best thing because then maybe three weeks after the event, you're now injured and your body's breaking down so you really need to every athlete needs to approach nutrition wisely and i just can't i can't stress enough the importance of fueling properly but then also fueling enough and again if, if you have doubts about one size fits all and here's what the body needs to look like i would encourage you to go look at the. Ironman World Championship footage from yesterday and look at the male winner he's by no means a large man his body type is not what you would maybe stereotype the winning athlete of an Ironman do you agree with that or did I just kind of read that in
2: yeah he seems like he's got a little bit of extra weight around the waist but he is strong on the swim bike and run
1: yeah, so and I just think that proves that there is no such thing as quote unquote the perfect body type, and really how we look is not the determining factor of how we're going to perform in triathlon and running. It's really the determining factor is going to be more about being consistent with all the things. Am I fueling well? Am I getting proper rest? And am I putting in the work? And when I say the work, that's going to vary too, just as nutrition varies from athlete to athlete and those fueling needs, so do workout loads. That's going to be very specific to each athlete. you know me a long time, so you know stepping on the scale for me for a long time was never the best thing for me to do because if I stepped on the scale and I weighed less than I thought was my ideal weight, then I thought, oh, well, good, I can eat all the bad things. And if I stepped on and weighed more. Then it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to blah, blah, blah. And so you can really just become a slave to that number. And about five weeks before the Boston Marathon, I may have already shared this, but my training partner, Suzanne, and I were at the health club and she stepped on the scale and noted what her weight was. And I kind of felt like, oh, well, I wonder, if I'm kind of thinking she wants me to step on the scale as well. Although she did not say that. And I just said, you know, usually within six to eight weeks of a race, I don't even get on the scales because I just don't want that number getting in my head. when I'm in a training cycle, I really want to think about what I'm putting in my mouth. Is it healthy? Is it fueling my sport? But I don't want to focus on a particular number on the scale. And I know Matt Fitzgerald has a book out that's called race weight i'm pretty sure that's the name of the book and you know i I have read a lot of his nutritional stuff and i agree with a lot of his nutritional stuff i just wish he would have named that book something else because i think if you read the title you get in your head oh you're working toward a specific race weight and really you're not you're working toward fueling your sport to get race fitness and those are two completely different things Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that the number on the scale, a weight, can become a distraction and it can become an unrealistic go. And for me, it's interesting. Like, nobody has any arguments about, okay, I was born 5'3, so I'm going to be 5'3, or I was born with blue eyes or brown eyes, so I'm going to have brown eyes. But what people don't really like to think about, well, I was born a little bit more pear-shaped or I was born a little bit more apple-shaped like and there you know there are extremes in either direction like you just don't want to sit on the couch and eat potato chips and french fries all day every day
2: or or tiny chocolate bars
1: Well you definitely don't want to sit and eat tiny chocolate bars all day every day <laughs> but you know occasionally be all right so but anyway just having a realistic go and knowing that genetics plays a lot into what your body type is like and not focusing on a number on the scale but really focusing on what is sustainable what is healthy and what's going to keep me out on the road injury free long term because i'm fueling properly and i'm not breaking down my body and when i run if i'm five pounds lighter is it easier to get up the hill I mean, scientifically, yes, that's less. If well, you
2: have the right amount of energy.
1: Yeah, you, know, you have to have the energy. And short term, you probably do have the right energy. But long term, are you losing bone density? Are you losing muscle mass? Are you using? Are you losing structural components that are necessary to stay in the sport long term? So I know for you and I, as coaches, we're always talking about supporting the hoe runner. It's really not just the workouts it's the nutrition it's the sleep it's the strength training it's the dynamic stretching and the mental aspect and the thing about the mental aspect is you can wrap your head around doing the right amount of work and doing the workouts on point but you can get so obsessed With nutrition that it can take up so much mental capacity that it's sabotaging everything else so what we don't want is for eating to become a chore we don't want it to become an extremely mental distraction and honestly there's so much expert opinion when it comes to the best way to fuel our bodies that it's just information overload and there's a lot of information out there that's incorrect which we've already talked about but Honestly, we're inundated with so much when it comes to diet and nutrition that if this is an area that you struggle in, it would be worthwhile to reach out to a a coach who knows a thing or two about nutrition or a uh, endurance athlete, specific nutritionist, somebody that understands both the sport and how to fuel the sport to kind of get some of the noise out of your head and just take away the stress of it. I guess, if that makes sense.
2: I think we know somebody like that. Dr. Scott Black, who we interviewed at one point, has experience as a ultra-marathoner and has a background in nutrition in his medical field.
1: Yep. Anyway, what we don't want to see is athletes not reaching their performance and fitness levels just because they care more about a number on a scale or the way a certain pair of jeans fit, or that type of thing. We really want to see them having a healthy relationship with food. So we don't want our athletes under-fueling just to get a specific gene size. That's
2: for sure. Like you're saying, you don't want to sabotage your training and end up injured. Because then you're going to be training less, and food may become more of a challenge.
1: Right. And you know, if if we have an athlete who's been kicking along and performing well and hitting their goals and feeling well, and then all of a sudden they're fatigued and they're not running well, if they're not sharing with us that, hey, I've started intermittent fasting or, hey, I've started, like, if we don't know some things that they've changed, then it's a piece of the puzzle that takes us a lot longer to figure out. So again, communicating with our athletes and understanding Their relationship with food and any changes they're making. I mean, that's just information that's helpful for us as coaches. You know, probably the phrase that we have heard way too much over the last two years is, Follow the science. So...
2: We've heard that a lot.
1: We have. And nutrition is definitely an ongoing science project. Everybody is unique, though. And really... Everybody's an experiment of one, almost. <laughs> so, But I do think, and we've talked about this before, but I think it's worth going through again. There are definitely some broad principles that apply to everyone. I mean, to me, the most basic thing is we all need healthy carb, healthy fat, and lean protein. Like, everybody needs that. What those exact percentages need to be varies from athlete to athlete, from human to human but the fact that those macronutrients are needed by all of us I mean that's universal and then something else that's pretty universal is fried foods sweets uh, bakery goods like cupcakes those type things like can we have them yes should they be something we partake in every day as a major part of our nutritional fueling no so everything in moderation and I do love that Matt Fitzgerald focuses on eat more veggies than fruits and eat more fruits than lean proteins, and then from there, you just really, it's not that you, it's not that you restrict or limit anything. It's just that if I decide I'm eating a candy bar, I know that needs to be after I've eaten my avocados and my sweet potatoes and my my leafy greens like the healthy foods like make sure you are putting the good stuff into your body and if you have a little sweet tooth occasionally or if you need an order of french fries once a week or so that is not going to be the end of the world but what is going to sabotage your performance is every night for dinner you're having fried chicken nuggets and french fries and slushies and ice cream and like all that's just dense calories with very little nutritional value it's just not helping your body build fitness
2: it's not fueling you for fitness it's
1: not you know the other thing too is and i mean i may not have been i may have been somewhat guilty of this it wasn't the whole reason but many athletes start into endurance sports so that they can eat It's like, yeah, if I run six miles a day, I can eat whatever I want. But really, it ought to be reversed. You ought to eat healthy and fuel your body so that it can handle the sport that you want to do well in. So it's really about a mindset. So with our athletes, if we're onboarding a new athlete, we have to look at their workouts historically and see where they are when we onboard them. And then we also have to have a conversation with them about what they're willing to do. We have some athletes that when we onboard, they're like, yes, give me a swim, bike, run every day. And I mean, they would do it if we would assign it, which we don't assign all three disciplines, all three days. That would be ridiculous. Not every day. No. (laughs) And then we have other athletes that say, listen, here's my life. And here's the three days per week that I can dedicate to my sport. And so... Just like with the workouts, knowing what they're currently doing and what they're willing to do. It's the same with getting to know our athletes with their nutrition. If, if they choose to want help with nutrition, because some of them don't want help with nutrition. And we respect that. But if they do, first thing we always do is look at, okay, what are you currently doing? Let's track it. And of course, once they start tracking it, guess what?
2: They realize they need to make changes.
1: Or they think, oh, I have to track this, so I'm not eating this. So on the days they're tracking, they're doing a whole lot better. So finding out what they're currently doing and then also thinking about what they're willing to do. I mean, we have athletes that they have a certain food or a certain drink that I think they think they die if so they couldn't you know consume it every day or every other day and so just have to work around those things and figure out how to get in the proper fueling based on what they're willing to do so i guess long story short which is too late because i've been going on and on about this is think about food as fuel i don't know how many times that we've mentioned that but it is so important and especially also going into the summer months, hydration is going to be extremely important as well. So think about staying well hydrated as I'm sitting here podcasting with my hubby. He's got his giant bottle of water in his hand.
2: I'm just about out ready to go get a refill.
1: Yeah. And uh, he bought me some giant contraption for Mother's Day. I'm not sure what the brand is, but it is a cute little pink jug. That seems to be Yeti-ish for lack of
2: better... Insulated stainless steel. There
1: we go. Insulated stainless steel with the most girly pink you've ever seen on the outside. So it's the most girly looking butch water jug I've ever received.
2: I hope you enjoy it and you get many years of hydration with it.
1: If nothing else, I will build arm strength carrying it around.
2: Oh, come on now. It's not that much heavier than the, the Yeti that has the warped top from the dishwasher.
1: Oh, I was so sad about that. That's a gift from Bethany from her place of employment. And somehow the top ended up in the, on the heater in the bottom of the dishwasher. So I was pretty sad about that.
2: But it still works. It just looks funny.
1: It does look funny. Bethany's like, what did you do? <laughs> well, anyway.
2: So some other things you got for your Mother's Day. You got a laundry bag to hopefully keep the washing machine from eating socks. You really like your running socks. We want you to find them when the laundry is complete.
1: I feel like the washing machine really likes my running socks, too. Mm -hmm. Speaking of washing machines, ours stopped working. A couple weeks ago, so we replaced it, and you asked them to search the inner workings of our previous washing machine to see if it had socks in it.
2: And they said they would, and before they left, I asked them if they found any of your precious socks, and I didn't get a good vibe that they actually looked, but they said, no, we didn't find any. (laughs) Oh, well. And then another item you got for Mother's Day was bright red luggage tags so that we can easily identify our luggage the next time we go on a trip
1: which is hopefully soon
2: hopefully soon so i hope you had a good mother's day and i'll share this in front of all of our podcast listeners that you are a wonderful wife and mother
1: yeah and i'll share this ellie just didn't want anything to do with me today she was mommy rotted today which was sweet she was hugging all over her mom today so happy mother's day to our daughter-in-law shelby as well it was nice to have all the kids over. And I got picture frames for our gallery wall that I'm going to build. I've kind of snuck this into the kids that every May I'd like to get pictures made and I want to keep the two current years in our frames in the dining room, but the previous years I want to start recycling into a gallery wall. So lots of memories. It'll be every year of Ellie's life. Okay. (laughs) You look like you missed that memo.
2: I've heard something about a... (laughs) photo wall or gallery wall I'm up for whatever you would like to do well let's wrap up this podcast with a scripture from 1st Chronicles chapter 16 verse 11 which says seek the Lord and his strength seek his presence continually
0: at RYR Endurance Team we specialize in customized coaching what is customized coaching it's more than a training plan it's a relationship it's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com.
1: Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.